Welcome to It Starts Within, a podcast from Platinum Performance, where we'll dive into the health challenges faced by veterinarians and horse owners alike. Join us for inspiring stories about the latest advancements in equine care, treatments, and comebacks. You'll hear interviews with elite competitors, innovative researchers, and the veterinarians that devote their lives to horses and the humans that love them. At Platinum Performance, we know the power of nutrition starts within. Hello, Platinum Podcast. It's Emily Smith. And today we are going to have a hot weather discussion to make sure that your horse has a happy and healthy summer. I am joined today with Platinum's own technical services veterinarian, Dr. Matt Durham. Dr. Durham is board certified in sports medicine and rehabilitation and has worked as an equine veterinarian in private practice for 26 years. So we are very fortunate to have his expertise on this subject. How are you, Dr. Durham? Great, Emily. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for sharing your time and all your knowledge with us today. Uh, you know, I'm excited to talk about this now that we're kind of in the throes of summer. Uh, but summer is often a favorite time of the year because, you know, days are longer. You've kind of battled through the winter and now we get to spend the, the nice weather and more time at the barn with our horses. Uh, but because it is hotter, there are some heat related health issues to be aware of so that our horses stay healthy. Um, And a lot of those issues have to do with healthy drinking, hydration, and sweating. Um, Dr. Durham, when we think of nutrients essential to the horse, you know, I I usually think of calories and protein, vitamins, minerals, but water Mm -hmm. is also considered one of the essential nutrients and possibly the, the most critical one required by the horse every day. Um, why is water and healthy hydration so important to our horses? Yeah, I mean, these sayings are sort of trite, but the water is life. It's really true. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, about two thirds of a horse's body weight is composed of water. Same with us. So a typical horse drinks, you know, five to 10 gallons per day. Uh, but this is really with, you know, the kind of a moderate outside temperature of say 68 degrees, that same horse is going to need, you know, 11 to 15 gallons if it's 86 degrees. And then you add exercise to the equation and you're talking about, and, you know, maybe even a higher heat. Some of our horses have to exercise when it's in the high nineties or more. And then you're talking about, you know, over 20 gallons that a horse might need. And some of that a lot of it is really dependent on the out, the outside temperature, how much exercise the horse is doing, and also on the humidity. Um, water is just so important for every cell in the body because that's how a lot of the cellular mechanisms operate. Yeah, it's amazing to think. I mean, I, I'm thinking of, you know, sometimes every once in a while when you get on a health kick and it's like, make sure that you drink a gallon of water a day. And for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm drinking water all day long. So a horse if drinking 20 gallons, which is basically four of those big five gallon hanging buckets is, you know, just to make sure that they have enough is, is extremely important. And knowing the importance of water that you just t- talked about, we, we want to do everything that we can to make sure that horses stay hydrated. What are some tips that you have for keeping horses drinking normally throughout the hot summer months? 
Well, there are definitely some uh, some good tips. I wish there was something that was completely foolproof, but unfortunately, there are some horses drink well, some horses don't. But the things that we know are helpful are providing you know clean, fresh water all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the hanging buckets, they get some slime on them, they get a little gross. Some horses will dive right in and that's that's great. But cleaning the cleaning those hanging buckets, cleaning outside water tanks, all of those things are good. Uh, on the road, some horses don't want to drink because they are accustomed to their their own water. You know, maybe you're on a well and you have a certain mineral mix in your water that's really tasty to the horse and they're just used to it. Then you get to a place that might even have clean water, but it might not taste the same. So there are definitely some things that can be tried. One of the one of the simple things that we I just learned about is there are some nice hose end purifiers. So if it's something really small that you could take with you on the road. And for some finicky horses, they'll drink that water uh, very well. It's the sulfur usually that causes them to not want to drink. Oh, yeah. But like you know, eggs. the other thing is just <laughs> encouraging the um, them to drink by adding some salt, free choice, regular old plain white salt to, uh, to uh, the horse's feed can help to encourage drinking. There are other things that are tried, you know, um, I've heard about adding apple juice to the water or Gatorade. Um, and then, you know, the other thing too, is we're talking about heat, but as far as hydration, we don't, it's hard to think of the cold temperatures right now, but horses in cold temperatures also really can get dehydrated. Mm -hmm. So in those situations, that's a situation where you would want to heat the water in the ideal situation to, you know, maybe 50 degrees if possible. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, it is something you're thinking just so much right now about hot temperatures, but yeah, it's just mm -hmm. as important for them to be drinking pretty much all the day, you know, 24, 7, 365. Um, Absolutely. And I, I know you mentioned the hanging buckets and, and getting those, um, you know, keeping those clean and slimy. It made me think of um, our horses, our three horses outside in Texas are out, you know, pretty much kicked out on pasture all day. Um, and we do, I mean, speaking of slimy their their water mm. troughs get really gross, really fast. Uh, so we do, you know, it just seems like the algae during, well, it seems like it's always summertime down there, but like, you know, starting April, May, June, July, August, September, there's a lot yeah. of taking a brush and just kind of moving that around completely letting all the water get, get out and then fill it back up with fresh. I think it makes a huge difference in how much they drink. I'm, I bet you're right. Yeah. And yeah, it's a constant battle, but it's so important. Absolutely. Yes. And you, you did mention kind of, you know, trying to get them to, to drink water is so, so important. What happens um, to those that don't, right? So what are some signs to look for, for when a horse is getting dehydrated or, and, and what should we do about it? Is there anything that we can do, or is it just kind of an immediately call the vet situation? Well, obviously there, you know, there are some situations that are dire and please call the vet, Yeah. but the, you know, dehydration isn't an on and off switch. It's sort of uh, you can be a little bit dehydrated or you can be extremely dehydrated. So we want to try to be as conscious of 
as many parameters with our horses as possible. And this goes for, you know, infectious disease and all that. I always encourage people to know what your horse's resting heart rate and temperature uh, and respiration rate are. Respiration is actually easiest counted uh, by looking at the flank. As a horse breathes, the abdominal muscles will move. So don't come up right next to them or they'll, they're curious, they're gonna come over to you. So it's best to watch from a distance and count, count those, uh, the respiration. And I think what's important is to know your horse's normal. Uh, what is a normal range, say even for temperature, might be a little different for your horse. Your horse might run at, you know, 98.9 when you check it in the morning and, and the next horse is at uh, 99.4 pretty consistently. So knowing those ahead of time is helpful. With heat and dehydration, obviously the, the temperature can rise, but with just regular dehydration, which again can happen in the middle of winter, mm -hmm. uh, some of the things to look for uh, really simple things. If you if you lift up the the lip, the gums should have kind of a shiny uh, look. They should they should look moist. If they're not, that's one sign of dehydration. You can push your thumb into the tissues just above the tooth and blanch it so it'll look white, and then allow the tissues to you know pink up again. Oh. That should happen in about one and a half seconds. If it takes longer than that, then that's another sign. Uh, look at the urine. Urine, you know, in horses, it can be a little cloudy looking and that's okay, but we don't want it to look dark. So if your horse has dark urine, especially if it's coffee colored urine, then that's another, that's another situation, rhabdomyolysis, where that can be a sign of dehydration, but also a, a cause of further complications. But just regular, uh, the regular color of urine should be fairly light and it'll get darker as the horse's kidneys are retaining water and concentrating the urine. Same thing with us. When the urine's dark, that means we're already dehydrated. So the, the main thing to do is really, you know, try to make sure you're uh, in a cool area if possible, if the horse is overheated. And then make sure, you know, go back to what we just talked about, make sure there's uh, access to water and hopefully get the horse to drink. Okay. Okay. Is it, let's say that you're, you're not sure. So I'm calling the vet because I think my horse is dehydrated. Does it, if you're out, I, I don't know, if you're like in the barn, it's summertime, is it worthwhile to like cool them off with a hose or is it best just to leave them alone or just kind of waiting for the vet to come? Well, you know, I encourage people to uh, to have a thermometer, and so in particular, if if it seems that there's uh, some heat stress going on, then yeah, cold water hosing can be can be helpful. Uh, we know that just leaving them to cool off on their own is not extremely efficient, um, and the by by running the cold water on them it does draw heat from the body and then as the water runs off it removes the heat okay. so that that can definitely help so you know for a normal horse the the classic uh temperatures are 99.5 to 100.5 mm -hmm. 
we know if you check your horse right after exercise, it's going to be higher. We know that, and that's okay. But we want it to start coming down within that, at least within that half hour after exercise. And we know that doing some cold water hosing can do a good job of that, even better than, say, a fan. Okay. Um, combinations of things to help cool the horse can be really um, can be really beneficial. But yeah. If if the horse is too hot, then we want to we want to start addressing that as soon as possible. Okay. Okay. Well, fortunately, the horse does have a really, I think, fairly efficient cooling mechanism of their own, which is sweat, sweating. And yeah. so, you know, sweat is relied upon a lot by the horse, um, as especially as temperatures increase. Can you tell us in a little more detail about the actual physiology of sweating and thermal regulation? Yeah, this is, it's so fascinating. And you're absolutely right. About 70% or so of heat is dissipated in horses through sweat. When you compare that to other animals, say dogs, they don't sweat. So then the other component, respiration, is what kicks in. But because horses are obligate nasal breathers, meaning they can only move air through their nasal passages, they can actually dissipate a fair bit of heat that way, uh, you know, uh, about a quarter of the heat can be dissipated that way. But you can imagine with a dog where their mouth's wide open and their big tongues hanging out, that's a big radiating surface. So they can radiate heat a lot more efficiently than, <clears throat> than a horse can. When, when you think about uh, how horses regulate heat, I think it's um, helpful to sort of to back up and just sort of think about the, the set point that a horse has and, and that we have in the hypothalamus, it's sort of the glandular part at the bottom of the brain. This is the part that is one of its jobs is to act as the thermostat. So when a horse exercises and the body temperature rises, which it's going to, then the thermostat reads that the body is too hot and it does the things that it needs to do to try to uh, cool itself. Uh, there are a couple of things that happen. So the blood vessels at the surface dilate to increase flow to the surface. The sweat glands start sweating, hopefully, and, uh, and the horse will start rest, uh, breathing more heavily. Um, but I want to just make the distinction between that and a fever. And one of the reasons why when you have a fever, you'll feel cold, even though your temperature is elevated. And that is that your hypothalamus has essentially turned up the thermostat to a higher setting. So your body senses that it's not warm enough and you will literally feel cold, even though your body temperature is too high. So the, the body's using that obviously because we know that excessive heat will kill microbes, it'll kill bacteria and viruses. But if you take that to an extreme, it's also damaging to our own cells. So it's this tricky balancing act. Um, when you think about the way heat is generated in the body, I think that's, uh, that's really interesting. And of course, horses, we love them because they're athletes. They have a lot of muscle. 
And muscle is great at creating movement, but when you when you look at it from the physics standpoint, the energy that goes in versus the work that comes out of it, muscle is only about 25% efficient. That means that the other 75% is waste heat. So the, the easiest comparison for that is a car engine. We know that the car engine gets hot and we know cars need to have a radiator. So car, a car engine, a gasoline engine is about 40% efficient. So that means 60% of the gasoline that's burned is just creating heat that we have to get rid of. So when you think about heat, the, the way that the horse can really move it away from the body the best is, again, through sweat. But the way that happens is through evaporation. The, the, when you think about other ways that heat can leave something, think of uh, radiation. So the sun radiates, but I think a good comparison would be if you turn on the electric burner on a stove and the frying pan's directly on it, there it heats up relatively quickly because of conduction, because it's, it's in contact. But if you turn on the burner and you held that frying pan even you know an eighth of an inch away, it would take way longer to transfer that heat out of the burner into the frying pan. So the when you think about what's happening, the heat is moving into the water and mixture of electrolytes and some other stuff in sweat, and then it's sitting on the body. So then what needs to happen is it needs to evaporate. When it evaporates, it helps to cool very efficiently. So then you can, it, it makes sense then that windy conditions cool things off faster. Uh, low humidity situations cool things off faster. And this is one of the problems, certainly in the Gulf states where the humidity gets really high, um, then that evaporation is much less efficient and sweating doesn't work quite as efficiently. That's really interesting. It's almost like negative feedback, right? Like it's like we're sweating and sweating and sweating. And the more you sweat, the more it's not going anywhere and not doing what it's supposed to. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like well, sweating, clearly a very good thing. And we'll talk in just a few minutes about what happens when it doesn't work as well as it's supposed to. Um, but how do, I know electrolytes kind of go hand in hand with sweat. Um, how do electrolytes exactly support sweat, like a healthy sweating? Well, in order to produce sweat, then the, the cells are are incorporating electrolytes and incorporating uh, even some proteins and things like that. In fact, human sweat and horse sweat is a bit different. One of the things is that uh, the, the type of cell, we don't need to get into that, but there's a lot more protein produced. This is why horse sweat gets so foamy. But as far as the electrolytes go, some of the really important electrolytes like uh, sodium, potassium, calcium, uh, and magnesium are all lost in sweat. And when you think of the way uh, the body sort of balances those, some of those electrolytes uh, get lost sort of at a more rapid rate. Mm -hmm. And so if, if the body is depleted of those, then it's harder for it to, to create sweat. And, and 
as the body is sweating, then it's pulling some of those reserves that are also important for muscle function and all, all those other things too. Um, so in, you know, depending on if there's more need for sweat, if, you know, if it's, it's hotter, then they're going to require more, uh, more electrolytes in their diet because they're going to lose more. So, um, we know that supplementing losses right after exercise is fairly efficient. The ideal really, one of the reasons we love forage is that it, it stores water and it stores a lot of the electrolytes that are, that are needed. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you're able to sort of preload, that's always really nice. Um, so in, in some ways, if we can have some electrolytes on board beforehand and then supplement afterwards, uh, after exercise, that's really important. And one of the things that we'll talk about later, the um, potentially anhydrosis, it, we, there's some thought that exercising with low levels of electrolytes available may be one of the predisposing factors. So that's why I think having, having a, a good quality electrolyte supplement around is really important. And just like with our own food products, I think we really need to look at that ingredient label because it's not uncommon for the first ingredient to be sugar. Right. Sugar is not an electrolyte. It is used so that horses will eat the, uh, the electrolyte mix, but we, you know, we're really not wanting to increase sugar in the diet. And, uh, and so the electrolytes themselves should be uh, the key that we're talking about. A good electrolyte supplement doesn't, shouldn't really have sugar in it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seemed like from where we kind of started, like, you know, horses need just regular plain salt for just kind of mediums, meeting sodium chloride, like, you know, which is, a, which are both major electrolytes, but just to kind of meet daily needs. And then you, you yeah. need electrolytes more for actually replacing those minerals that are lost in sweat. Would that be accurate? Yeah. 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 I mean, especially things like, you know, magnesium and calcium and some of those mm -hmm. other minerals, but, you know, in electrolytes where one of the main parts of an electrolyte is uh, regular salts as well. So, but yeah, in terms of, in terms of, as you well know, the, the general diet tends to be relatively low in sodium chloride. So supplementing with regular white salt is so important, but yeah, you're right. Adding in the, the other ingredients in particular for, uh, support of sweat and some of these other, sub, uh, processes is really critical. Yeah. And as like kind of a two for one, it also makes horses thirsty. <laughs> so, right. So they'll, Absolutely, they'll replace yeah. the losses from sweat for sure. But then, you know, you're, you're going to need this, the major part of sweat is also water. So it's just makes sense that that, you know, helps to keep them well hydrated as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to hear your thoughts about uh, some of our horses, 
um, which I had never actually even heard about until we moved to Texas. I think born and raised in Michigan, we didn't mm-hmm. run into many of these cases, but there are a lot of horses, particularly kind of clustered along the ghost, the Gulf Coast of the United States that have a lot of difficulty sweating or horses that are called non-sweaters or um you know, anhydrosis, like, are those the same things? Or what can you talk a little bit about horses that don't sweat, you know, normally? Yeah, yeah. Well, like you, um, being in California, even even with high temperatures, we really didn't see it very much. And I'm glad. Yeah, because uh, we don't, we don't fully know the cause. And we don't fully have a great a solution for it. But the the basics of it are that in certain horses, and as you said, it tends to happen in hot, humid areas, they will stop sweating either partially or completely. It can be sort of patchy. It can be um, it can be all over. And it's obviously a really important thing because if you're not sweating, then you're not using that super important method of cooling down. So to to try to spot a horse that's doing this, then obviously if a bunch of horses are exercising and one of them's not sweating, then obviously that's that's a big sign. But you'll also see some things like uh, you know, flaring the nostrils and panting. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll look really dull. Um, and They'll they'll start to get to a point where they they even look uh, not very good. Their hair coat will, will be sort of uh, uh, dry and and unhealthy looking, and in in some horses they'll they'll you know start to lose some body condition and just look dull overall. The one of the main theories is that the sweat glands are sort of overstimulated to the point where they stop responding. That's a reasonable uh, theory that hasn't been fully proven. We know there is a genetic component. Uh, we know that some horses that are moved to a cool climate will recover their sweating, mm-hmm. but we also know that by supporting them nutritionally, there are some things that can be done. Um, but yeah, as far as as far as treatment, unfortunately, there's no real medication that that works for it, and no known guaranteed treatment. Yeah, and I think also, you know, <laughs> again, speaking from experience, because we happen to have one of these and living in Houston, Texas, it's a huge bummer. Um, yeah. But when we first got him and didn't know, and I think he had a really stressful episode that kind of tipped him over the threshold, possibly. Um, but he, we did just to give you, you know, some ideas management wise, I, and it, it was the same thing. It was like, nothing seemed to be foolproof. It, nothing was a, a sure thing that like, you know, he would start sweating, but we did turn him out at night and had him inside in a stall uh, during like the, you know, the hot 
hot part of the day. Um, we had fans on him. Um, if it got really hot and he did start panting, we'd hose him down, um, just kind of with cool water. And then as soon as now, as soon as it gets to be, you know, kind of consistently in the upper seventies or so, we'll just do a full body clip and just get, he also has, has Cushing. So we'll just get all of that, like kind of heavy, dense hair off of him as well. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you mentioned this aside from just having, you know, making sure that a horse is on a, a, a balanced diet with um, quality hay in front of them as much as possible. Um, is there any specific nutritional support that you would suggest for the horses that don't sweat very well? Yeah. Um, so one of the, one of the interesting things about uh, energy metabolism is that we know that fats are uh, actually will produce less heat than sugars. So making sure a horse has a, a good source of fats in the diet, and of course, omega-3 fatty acids are really what we would encourage because omega-6 fatty acids sort of push towards the more inflammatory side of things. Mm -hmm. But omega-3 fatty acids are really good sources of energy as well as lots of other good things. But besides being a good energy source, they're actually a more efficient energy source. And we know that horses will uh, that are sort of adapted to using some, some uh, fat will create less heat. So that's one way that, you know, we can tweak things to a small degree, not to mention, I really believe that omega-3 fatty acids have a profound effect on health generally, mm -hmm. just as far as cellular function and all of that. Um, but then adding in uh, some antioxidants like vitamin C, vitamin E, I think this can be really important. We know that particularly with exercise, you're producing a lot of these reactive oxygen species. People know them as free radicals. And you need antioxidants to undo the oxidative damage that these can cause. So any of those things that we can do to help support the oxidative stress of the body uh, can be really important. And then uh, we want to encourage nerve cell function. So vitamin E is great for that, but B vitamins are also uh, so important for nerve function. And because we know that sweating is partially controlled by nerve stimulation, then that is, that is also a really important one. And then we were talking earlier about the blood vessel dilation at the surface. Yeah. And what one of the ways the body does that is through this little molecule called nitric oxide. And by supplementing with arginine, one of the regular amino acids, we can enhance that or at least make sure that we were not uh, cutting that system short so that the nitric oxide uh, production is normal and will help with the uh, with the dilation of the of the blood vessels and also uh, potentially improving the ability of the body to sweat. And you know, although there's there's nothing that works perfectly, this, this combination does seem to be, in my opinion, the best way to go in terms of supporting those horses that don't sweat, uh, in, in, including 
turning a lot of them around completely. Mm -hmm. So it's certainly not a guarantee, unfortunately, but it's the best thing I've found so far. Yeah. And using those, the combination of those ingredients, you know, that's where platinum comes in. We do have platinum refresh, which includes the, um, kind of the ingredients that you were talking about. And, uh, it seems to be a really great support product for horses that have difficulty sweating, particularly in the, in the summer months where, you know, it, it tends to be in some cases, I think that as opposed to moving them to a cooler climate, which I think does, you know, of course is going to help a lot of them, but sometimes that's just not going to be a possible option. Um, I think to be able to, you know, a lot of times they will start sweating again, just when it cools off normally, and they're not having to fight so much of the high heat with the high humidity. Um, and I think if you you know, it's so memorable to have one of these horses that if you know your horse has difficulty sweating once it starts getting into the 90s with 150% humidity, um, to try to get them on, you know, a product like Platinum Refresh that has a blend of those um, antioxidants and amino acids um, that that are very specific to help sweating and to do it so that those 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 ingredients are available. So try to get them on something like that, you know, before they're needed. So, you know, get them on there in like March or April or, or at least, you know, four to six weeks before they're they're necessary, I think is um, probably a good tip also. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's nothing in in refresh that would be dangerous for horses. So we know that there's, at least there's some strong evidence that if we can support horses with all these ingredients ahead of time, that the incidence may be reduced so that we, uh, horses that might have developed anhydrosis might not, if we can support them so that they're they have normal sweat function and we don't sort of exhaust those, those tissues. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, this is, it can be a very scary condition and also really frustrating um, for someone that is just, whether it's, a, a you know, might be suspected of having difficulty sweating or somebody that has a super hot horse or not sure if they're getting into heat stress territory. Um, I think, you know, to call the vet, if you have any, has, you know, if you're not sure, or you're not sure what to do, or you're thinking that it might be something, um, a lot of times heat, the heat stress can roll into something a lot more serious. And so it just to, you know, summertime is a wonderful time, but it is, can be kind of a stressful time on our horses. So, uh, just to be aware of things that are not normal and to call the veterinarian as soon as possible, if you're unsure or, you know, suspect something is not normal for your horse. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, we have we haven't really talked about the the most severe cases, but just like in people, uh, heat stroke is really serious and can be fatal. It happens in our horses too. Will they'll start off just sort of dehydrated, oh. and we know that increases the risk of of colics. But also a lot of it's damaging to a lot of cell systems in the body. And we know that the, the horse that starts off a little dehydrated as they get more and more dehydrated and over hot, then they'll have seizures and can, and again, can die from it. So 
it is something to be taken very seriously, not to scare everyone off from exercising their horses, but <laughs> we still but want to you to really <laughs> just be in, just to be in tune with your horse. So that's why I really encourage people to know your own horses range what what is the normal temperature for your horse because there are times where you might say oh well it's the horse's temperature is 100.5 that's in the normal range of a population but uh you know that your horse is always at 90 you know 99 to 99.6 so 100.5 is actually high for that horse right and that that to me can really be helpful as a veterinarian i always really appreciated having that information from people yeah yeah definitely and every horse is an individual um dr durham thank you so much for your expertise and insight on this hot topic we it has been so great to hear all the things that you've had to say about this. It's, you know, even if some things maybe were um, a review, I've, I've actually heard this talk before and I get new, completely new information out of it every time. Um, (laughs) So thank you very much. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, listeners, I hope that you learned some new and useful information today. If you want to learn more about hydration, electrolytes, um, other hot weather tips, check out the latest summer issue of the Platinum Magazine, uh, which is online at platinumperformance.com. And we have a, a very recent article called um, How to Support Your Horse Through the Hot Summer Months. I hope that you and your horses have a wonderful and healthy summer. Um, This is Emily Smith, and I look forward to joining you again for the next episode of the Platinum Podcast, It Starts Within. Mm